Have you ever had a moment where you thought your setback was irreversible? What do you do when your world is rocked and is upside down? Trust, T-R-U-S-T. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. And today we have a story from Heather in Statesboro, Georgia. And I don't know if y'all know this, listeners, especially if you're new around here, but we are not only a podcast, we are local gatherings around the Southeast. And so women in various cities from Statesboro, Georgia to Katy, Texas, and everywhere in between will meet once every other week and have live gatherings where a woman shares her story and they record those and they send them to us. And so not all of our stories come to us this way, but a lot do. And so that is one today that we're thrilled to bring you as Heather. That's right. We are so excited to have a live gathering storyteller today. And as you said, Robin, we have Heather from Statesboro, Georgia. And Heather really speaks a lot about trusting God. You heard that in her clip earlier. She spells out trust, and you'll see why um, a little bit later on in her story. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to really be encouraged in your faith and understanding that sometimes when you have setbacks, God just wants you to lean in and trust Him a little bit more. So here's Heather. Hey, Katie, before we get to Heather's story, I wanted to let everybody know just thank you for the great response to When God Shows Up. When God Shows Up is our eight-week podcast-based Bible study, and it's available now on our website at storytellerslive.org. And these things are flying off the shelves, and we're so excited because really this Bible study is designed that you can do it personally, just by yourself with the Lord, or you can do it as a small group. And it also has a supplement, Discover Your Story, where you can discover where God showed up in the details of your own life. Both of those are available on our website at storytellerslive.org. Here's Heather. Well, thank y'all for coming tonight. My name is Heather Overstreet, and I always wondered what my testimony would be growing up. I remember thinking, what if I don't have one? Or what if it's so boring, it's not worth sharing? But I have the typical story of growing up in a small town with two parents, going to school, going to church. I was involved um, with the church youth group, sang in the church choir, cheered in high school. And when I was in college, I went to stay with a friend that lived in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I absolutely fell in love with the city. And I came home and I told my mother that I wanted to transfer schools and move up there. And looking back, I can now understand why, as a mother myself now, why she was not so enthusiastic about me and the idea. Um, We finally agreed that I would finish out the semester and transfer to another school, but as it happened, God had something else in mind for me. That was the semester that I met my husband, Nathan, and that's what changed everything. When I was 16 and in the church youth group, our youth pastor did a series on praying for your future mate and to make a list of everything we wanted in a future spouse. I made my list out and prayed every day for him that God would protect him and mold him into the husband and father that he was meant to be. Nathan and I started dating, and it immediately felt like home. He was every single thing that was on my list that I had prayed for so many years ago. Nathan graduated a year before I did and moved off to Atlanta, and then I graduated. I stayed and finished out my last year at Southern, and we got married one month after I graduated, and I joined him in the big city. And life was pretty basic. We lived in Atlanta for about three to four years. And then we decided that we really missed home and it was time for us to come back. In 2005, 
we moved back home to Statesboro, and it was all God's doing because my father became very ill soon after. In 2006, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer after being cancer-free for almost 25 years. He was first diagnosed with lung cancer in 1980 when I was only two years old. And you may be wondering, well, how does all that play into your story right now? But we'll get there. During the time of taking care of him, I discovered that I was pregnant. And it was a very stressful time caring for an ill parent and having to deal with the issues of early stages of pregnancy. In December of 2006, at a routine doctor's appointment all by myself, the ultrasound technician got a very strange look on her face and excused herself to go to the doctor. There was no heartbeat. The doctor informed me that it would be a matter of days before I would miscarry, and three weeks after losing the baby, my dad lost his battle with cancer. And it was a very dark and tough, lonely time. And it took me a while to try again, but in 2008, I was found out I was pregnant again. But once again, I never got to meet that baby. That's when I completely shut down. I became extremely angry and bitter towards life and to other women that appeared to have babies so easily. And I was ashamed to say that I even questioned if God even cared about me. Does he even listen when I cry and call out to him? And it took a lot of tough love from my family and my friends to pull me out of that dark pit. I then decided to change doctors and go to Savannah. And my mother gave me some CDs of a preacher to listen to while driving back and forth. Jensen Franklin was out of Gainesville, Georgia, and he preached one message about when things go from bad to worse, look for a resurrection. I started praying again. And I could feel the walls around my heart start to crack and crumble. And in 2012, I discovered I was pregnant again for the third time after so many years of trying. But I was scared beyond scared. What if I lost this baby? But this time I had my mind right and my prayer life in order. And I would crank up my praise and worship music on my many trips to Savannah to see the daughter. I went to Savannah a lot because they considered me high risk. But in 2012... Of August, we welcomed our miracle baby, Claire, and she was absolutely perfect and healthy, and I thought nothing could get better than this. But by that time, we was old, and I told Haven, we don't have time on our hands. If we're going to have some more, we're going to have to have some more soon. So in September of 2014, I found out I was pregnant again, but this time was a little bit different than with Claire. I bled every single day for 12 weeks. And the doctors monitored me very closely and assured me that everything was okay. But there was always that voice that kept whispering in my ear, this isn't going to work out. You're not going to have this baby. You're going to lose this baby just like you did the others. But I had to stand my ground and get a backbone of faith and tell the devil to get behind me. I would lay my hands on my belly while driving to Savannah and I would speak life over that baby. And I would tell that baby, you are a fighter, you are strong, and you're going to make it. And in 2015, we welcomed Lily Kate. And if you know Lily Kate, (laughs) you know she's a little fighter. (laughs) So remember how you word your prayers. (laughs) Because God may answer them exactly how you say them. So through all of this, I thought, well, this is it. This is my testimony. This is my story. 
how I struggled with infertility and overcame loss and depression with lots of prayer and lots of faith. But little did I know that was not the case. There was more. In 2018, I discovered a lump in my left breast that I thought was weird, but maybe it was just nothing. So I went to my general physician here in Statesboro, and she agreed that I needed to have it investigated. She sent me to Savannah for an ultrasound, which then led to a biopsy. And then a phone call came on my cell phone while at work with the news. It was cancer. And I actually said to the doctor, you're joking, right? This could not be happening. He must have had the wrong file. Surely it got mixed up with someone else's. I remember walking into my boss's office, who was a man, and telling him about the call and the results and that I was going to go home and cry, but I would be back to work. So I got in the car and I cried the ugliest cry ever possible. I felt like my entire world was falling in around me. And like what they say in the movies, when your life flashes before your eyes, it really does happen. I was 39 years old with a five-year-old and a two-year-old. I was so confused. I had cried and prayed and fasted for those babies. And now I have cancer. There had to be some mistake. So the entire March, month of March, was a complete blur. I was sent to a breast surgeon in Savannah. And at my first appointment with him, he discovered a lump at my left collarbone and ordered an MRI and a PET scan before officially diagnosing me and setting my treatment plan. And after both of those tests, they officially diagnosed me with stage 3 ERPR negative HER2 positive breast cancer. Not only did I have cancer in my left breast, I had it in my collarbone where the surgeon felt, under my left arm in my lymph nodes and behind my chest wall. And I remember asking my oncologist, are you telling me I have to get my affairs in order? Like, this is it? They immediately scheduled me to get my portacath placed on a Tuesday. And that very next day, I started chemo. And my treatment was different than most breast cancer patients because my type of cancer was not fed by hormones. It was its own very extremely aggressive kind called HER2 positive. So I underwent six rounds of chemo every 21 days, 17 infusions, 30 rounds of radiations, and three surgeries. Immediately, my friends and my family, my church family, and people I didn't even know reached out to me to tell me that they were praying for me and to lift me up. And in that very moment, I had to make a mental decision that I was, one, going to fight this with everything in me to survive for my girls and my husband, or two, give in and let it take me out. And I told myself I was not going down that road of depression again like I did so many years ago with infertility. So I chose to fight for my family. And even though my girls at the time were only five and two, I decided that I wanted to be very open and honest with them about what was about to happen to me because I knew that I would be sick, but I didn't want them to be scared of the days ahead. So I told them, Mama has cancer, and the doctors want Mama to take medicine that's going to kill the cancer, but also make me very sick. And I tried the best I could to answer all their questions in a way that they could understand. They asked me if I was going to lose my hair, and I told them yes. Lily asked me if I was going to look like Boss Baby. (laughs) 
and I did. (laughs) I told them that nothing takes God by surprise and that we have to pray and believe that I would make it through and we would be a stronger family because of it. So we prayed together as a family, and I tried the best I could to keep things normal as possible for them. And after they placed the port in, they told me that I could no longer pick up anything over 50 pounds for the risk of it pulling out. And that meant I could no longer pick up Claire. So yes, she was five, but I still carried her around in my arms at times or to pick her up and hug her. And most mothers don't remember the last time they picked up their child, but I always remember the last time I picked up Claire. So walking into the chemo room was extremely overwhelming. You could already see defeat on so many faces in the room. And the chemo nurses like to call the chemo room the party room. And I made a decision to treat it that way. So when it was treatment day, it looked like I was moving in. I had snacks and drinks and books and blankets and pillows and iPads. And a very dear and special friend that couldn't be here tonight made me a prayer blanket. And she told me that while she sat there and made it, she would pray over it. And so I took that prayer blanket with me to every treatment because I knew I not only needed to be covered physically, but not only needed to be covered spiritually with prayer, but also physically with prayer. The chemo nurses and I became really good friends, and we laughed and joked and talked about our kids and TV shows and celebrity gossip and whatever was on TV that day. The days after chemo were tremendously hard. I would work Monday, Tuesday, out Wednesday for chemo, work Thursday, Friday, and then have to be out the entire week after. And when the bad days came, I was sick beyond sick, weak to the point I couldn't eat or get out of bed. It typically took me about 10 days after chemo to get out of the chemo fog and return to feeling somewhat better. But remember, chemo was every 21 days, and it took me 10 to try to at least feel a little bit better. My mother and my sister stepped in and did a tremendous job of helping me with Claire and Lily because Nathan still had to go to work every day. They would share the responsibility of getting them to school when Nathan had to go to work early, pick them up from school, take them to dance. They would come by the house to get them to go to church on Sundays when Nathan was home tending to me. My mother would come and sit with me and drive me to the doctor when I was incredibly sick and needed extra fluids. She would clean the house, wash my clothes, and sometimes cook for us. One night when I was sick, Nathan brought the girls in to tell me goodnight. And as they were leaving, I heard Claire ask Nathan, is mommy ever going to get better? Is she ever going to get out of bed? And hearing that only made me want to fight even harder. Did I lose all my hair? Yes. As my treatments went on, more and more hair started to fall out, but I looked for a way to embrace it and to make the most of it. We had a head shaving party at the house, and my longtime friend and hairdresser was gracious enough to come to the house and allow Claire and Lily to shave my head. Claire, who was five, thoroughly enjoyed it. (laughs) Thoroughly enjoyed it. Lily, she was only two. She was more standoffish, but she was a good trooper. However, we had to have many conversations about 
just because they shaved my head didn't mean they could shave their head or cut their hair. But I did let them cut their Barbie's hair. And so now we have an entire collection of chemo Barbies. (laughs) At that time, I also decided to push down all of my insecurities and vainness and use that moment to teach my girls to not always judge someone by the way they look. I was bald. I wore wigs. I wore scarves, hats. And yes, people stared at me. And some people even said not so nice comments when my hair was growing back. Being a woman, it was very hard to be stripped down to pretty much nothing. No hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes. But the only good thing was I didn't have to shave my legs. That was really nice. I tried to show and teach my girls that even though society tries to make us believe that our value is only based on what we look like, the perfect body, the thick hair, the flawless skin, they needed to look beyond the physical appearance and know that not everyone looks the same. And just because someone looks different than you, it doesn't give you the right to judge them. You don't know their journey. You don't know what they're going through. So during all of this time of uncertainty, It was like my soul craved God and His Holy Spirit. And on my good Sundays, I would wake up eager and ready to go to church. I was expecting God to give me something to make it through another week, something to get me through another round of chemo. And one Sunday, I heard a message entitled, When Your Setback Seems Irreversible. It was like a slap in the face. I had had the biggest setback of my life. And I was on the edge of my seat, the entire message, taking notes as fast as I could. Have you ever had a moment where you thought your setback was irreversible? What do you do when your world is rocked and is upside down? Trust. T-R-U-S-T. T. Tell God how you feel. It's okay to tell God how you feel. He created all of our emotions and nothing takes him by surprise. Growing up, some people would say that it was disrespectful to tell God how you felt. But one person in the Bible told God exactly how he felt, and that was Job. And in Job 7:11, he said, I can't be quiet. I am angry and I'm bitter. I have to speak. So yes, my support system was tremendous, but they can't go with you everywhere. They can go with you to the doctor, but they have to stay behind in the waiting room while you have to walk all alone into the exam room and especially into the radiation room. And during radiation, they place you in a cold room and they make you lay on a cold table, completely exposed, while the technicians position you and then they leave. And you can hear the door slam shut and it's just you. But guess what? It wasn't just me. Jesus walked in there with me. And he was standing right beside me the entire time. That's the amazing thing about him. He goes places with you that man could never go. And even though I was alone physically in that room, I had him with me the entire time telling me it was going to be okay. R is refuse to become bitter. You can either become bitter or better. And two questions the preacher asked, will you love God no matter what happens to you? Will you trust God no matter what happens to you? What is the antidote to bitterness? Worship. 
In Job 1.20, Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshiped. I did not want to go back down that path of depression and bitterness. After hearing the key point in that message, I made a point to worship. I didn't Google anything about breast cancer. I didn't Google anything about her too positive because I didn't want worry and fear to slip in. And when I was homesick, I couldn't read. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't. It was hard for me to focus on visual things, but I could listen. So I would lay on the couch in the complete dark and turn on my iPad to scripture. And it was just a calming voice with a lot of piano music in the background, speaking scripture on healing, God's grace, his mercy, and his faithfulness. And one scripture that stuck out to me was Second Chronicles 2017. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. The you is unite with people of faith. And this is why it's so important for all of us to surround ourselves with people of our same faith. I was blown away with the love and the support of the community. People I'd never met would come up to me and say, I'm friends with such and such, and I follow you on Facebook, and I'm praying for you. My precious niece would send me praise songs via text, and they would always seem to come when I was at my lowest And when I was home alone in the bed sick and felt like giving up, those were the moments when someone would text me a scripture or a song or just to say, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. And that's why it's so important to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when you feel a tugging on your heart. When someone comes to mind that you normally don't think about, that could be God's way of using you to remind others that they're loved. Claire was starting kindergarten that year, and I was wrapping up treatment and getting ready for surgery, and the administration and the teachers at her school were beyond amazing and such a huge blessing to her and me. They pulled Claire under their wings and made her feel like she was one of their very own and did whatever they could to make sure neither she or I missed out on anything. They will never know that their small acts of kindness meant the world to this mama who was sick and sad that she was missing her firstborn's milestones of starting big school. And the scriptures that come to me about uniting with other believers is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens. The S stands for surrender your future to God. Even if God takes my life, I will still trust Him. Job 13, 15. Will you either worship or worry? Remember at the beginning of the story when I talked about my dad and him battling cancer? Well, during the early stages of being diagnosed, I thought about him and how I was only two when he was diagnosed. And here, my Lily was two when I was diagnosed. Fear tried to set in that I wouldn't see my children grown that I wouldn't be with them during all their milestones, that I wouldn't see my future grandchildren, and that I wouldn't grow old with my best friend. But the preacher's question kept ringing in my ear, 
Will you either worship or worry? And the T, trust Jesus for a comeback. This journey has not been easy, but I've learned so much about people, myself, and the Lord. Many friends chose to walk away. I was heartbroken and very lonely, but the Lord ushered in many new friends to fill that void. I learned to enjoy every single moment of every day and not get bogged down in the junk of life. We're not all promised tomorrow. You never know when that phone call may come. That changes everything. Eat the cake. Take the trip. Live life and love heart. But most importantly, I learned that God is is forever faithful. I am now living out many of the scriptures that I had read and heard in church for years. In Psalms 37, 25, I was young and now I am old, (laughs) yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. So after six rounds of chemo and 17 infusions, 30 rounds of radiation, three surgeries, and a year of oral medicine. I am cancer-free. Many times when people give their testimonies, they end it with a fairy tale ending, and they all lived happily ever after. Yes, my cancer is gone, but that doesn't mean I don't struggle daily with the side effects left from the medicines and the procedures done to me. However, I have to remember to trust. Nathan and I will be married next June for 20 years, and I am beyond blessed and thankful God put us together. Nathan has supported me through thick and thin, good and bad, and even when I wasn't the most lovable person. Claire is now nine, and she's in third grade, taking theater classes, and Lily is six and in first grade and loves gymnastics. And every time I look at them, I see every single tear, and I see every single prayer I ever prayed for them. They are proof that God hears our prayers. And he does give us the desires of our hearts. And I truly believe, now looking back, that God took me down that long, hard road of infertility so I could learn to lean on him and trust in him because he was preparing me for a bigger battle ahead. So through all of this and throughout this journey, I prayed and asked God that he would show me my purpose. What's his plan in all of this? And it finally came to me one afternoon after I had received several phone calls and texts from friends sharing with, sharing with me that their friends or family had been diagnosed with cancer, asking for prayer, and asking what helped me through everything. It was a light bulb to start a group. But what sort of group? What was it going to look like? When I was going through treatment, There wasn't any sort of support group in town. Everything was offered in Savannah and offered in the middle of the day. I didn't know what this would look like or how it was going to work, but I knew God had placed it heavy on my heart, and I prayed and I asked Him for a name. Not alone. And it starts there. We are not alone. My vision for this group is for women that are just diagnosed, currently going through treatment, are those now that are in remission and in survivorship. We are all not alone. And I ask you tonight to please pray for this group to come together to help others that may not have the resources or the friends and the family to support them, that this ministry will not only help those going through this terrible disease, 
but also bring them closer to the Lord and strengthen their faith. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9, we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. In 1 Chronicles 16, 11, look to the Lord in his strength and seek his face always. Thank you again for allowing me to share my story with you tonight. Always remember to be kind to others, speak kind to others, and always remember in times of trouble that God is always there and that He is faithful. I'm going to jump right in and say that when Heather gave the (laughs) T-R-U-S-T analogy, I had my son who was sitting in the front seat listening to this with me write notes in my notebook. I was like, write this down. (laughs) Yeah. Because I personally have not walked through infertility. I personally have not walked through breast cancer. But I can tell you that from listening to her story, I have walked through plenty Mm -hmm. of things that that spoke straight to Mm -hmm. my heart, Mm -hmm. straight to it. And, you know, one thing that I loved before she gave that acronym was she talked about, you know, when she was in that struggle, how her soul craved God. I think it's so interesting how God gives us struggles, sometimes allows struggles to come into our life because he longs for us mm-hmm. to crave him. And she said, I had to look look towards him to get through another week. I after, love that. Yes. And after all the infertility, she said, I was ashamed to say God didn't care about me. Mm-hmm. He, he thought, hmm, you know, I could just picture God going, hmm, let me show you how much I care. Yeah. Because then she did get to a stage where she was craving him. And I loved her positive attitude. And, and when she was talking about speaking life over the baby in her tummy, and then <laughs> and the then power keep, of our words. Yes, yes. Yes. And his parents, that is such a great reminder. And again, y'all said it in the beginning, but Heather's story is so powerful because it applies to anything. Mm-hmm. It applies to cancer. It applies to being overwhelmed as a mom. It applies to the death of a spouse or caring for the elderly, mm-hmm. all of those things. And something towards the end of her story, at the very end, when Heather talks about forming this group, this community for people that need help, obviously, we went straight back to storytellers. Mm-hmm. It's something we hear over and over and over again in these stories is women connect. Mm-hmm. Women need the encouragement in that one area of their life. And Heather did something about that. She saw a need and she jumped in and is building that community. Absolutely. She made her faith like into action. I mean, she actually did something. And y'all know that I I went through breast cancer as well. And it is lonely. It is a time of insecurity about your body. And hey, we're all kind of defined by our boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I won't go there. But when she talked about chemo Barbies and just that opportunity to teach her children Mm -hmm. to be kind to others. I, I love that too. Again, mm-hmm. just these parenting nuggets that are that are in these mm-hmm. stories along the way. I just I could I can't say enough about her positive attitude. And again, I'm just going to reiterate and just tell Heather, kudos to you for taking your struggle and turning it into a ministry. Absolutely. I mean, God does tell us, you know, He comforts us so that we can be a comfort to others. And again, like you said, Robin, it's what storytellers is about. And I'm thankful that she shared her story. Thanks so much for listening today. And if you live in the Statesboro area and want to know more about Heather's ministry and what she started, it's called Not Alone. And we'll actually have a link in the show notes right below on this podcast and you can find it. And I don't know if y'all know this, but by rating and reviewing our podcast, it is a tremendous help. And you can now do that not only on Apple, but you can also do that on Spotify. And so wherever you listen, 
we, one, we love your reviews because we read them and we're so encouraged by that. And that's how other people find our podcast. We have people tell us all the time, I was just looking for something on this and your story, your podcast popped up. And so that's what ratings and reviews do. So thank you so much for doing that. If you have already, and even if you've done it, we'll ask you to do it again. (laughs) You can do it more than once. Have a great week and we will talk to you next week. Bye.